Today's January 22nd. We have a special guest on the show today to talk about data and player projections. And the new Hall of Fame numbers will be announced this week. Jake and I will give you our list because why not? You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast, where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. My name is Josh, and I'm joined as always by my brother Jake. What's up, Jake? Going with a fresh look, man. Yeah, you trimmed it off. <laughs> yeah, it was time. You uh, It'll come back. Yeah, it always comes back for you. <laughs> Some people, uh, you know, oh no, you have to start off the beard growth all over again. Not Jake's like, yeah, it'll, it's fine. Yeah. It'll be back. <laughs> so. It's all right. No, it is all right. A lot of people are probably jealous of that. <laughs> Not me. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of people are probably ah. jealous of that. <laughs> uh, it's funny. No, yeah, I, I tend to just cut it all anymore because I don't want to mess with it. Yeah. So. Well, that's what it was. I was just getting tired of waking up in the morning. Sometimes you just want to roll out of bed and like just run down to the store and get something real quick and come back home. Like I'm not going out for the day. It's it's, it's just everywhere. Your beard's like this. And they're like <laughs> this homeless guy coming in here. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds about right. Hey, we've got a really cool show, uh, a little bit of a different show uh, this week, but a really cool show. Uh, we have a, a, a guest that uh, is not here now. I it, It's pre-recorded. I sat down and uh, had a conversation with John Anderson, and uh, it's a really cool talk. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the bulk of this show, um, and we'll cut over to it, and then Jake and I will come back later. Uh, Hall of Fame stuff comes out this week, so you and I always like to do our own little Hall of Fame list. I don't know that we'll give it the attention we usually do, but... Uh, you know, they're coming out this week, so we have to get them out. Right. Maybe we'll have a conversation about it next week, depending on, you know, uh, how many signings the Pirates, how many players the Pirates sign next week, obviously. Uh, we might just be talking about a bunch of players and a brand new team. Yeah. Still not much. We did miss out on somebody this week, right? Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and get into that. We'll just kind of zip through some things. Actually, before we do that, Jake, uh, nah, let's just get into it. Uh, Yario Rodriguez signs with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. I forget if there's something else, Jake. I'm sorry. I was. I, I thought, looked at my I, notes. I thought I was, you had it. Listen, I thought you had it. Either one of two sound bites on there. I thought you were either going to play "Dang it, Bobby," dang or it. you were going to go "Lottie freaking dog." <laughs> <laughs> I got them both. I, I got them both. Dang it, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Yario Rodriguez signs uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays, or at least has an agreement to sign with the Toronto Blue Jays. And this was kind of like one of those last guys, right? I mean, we're we're guys keep dropping, mm-hmm. and Yario Rodriguez is the next one, and that deal is not crazy. So here I am. If I'm going to do benefit of the doubt, which you know that I like to do benefit of the doubt, there's absolutely no truth to this whatsoever, or at least not that I know of. I could legitimately see the Pirates making some sort of 
two-year, 23-year, 30 for this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could legitimately see that happening. That's mm-hmm. not a lot. That's only $10 million. It's not. It's also not $32 million Right. Because they didn't go a fourth year. And I would see if the Pirates are in that $10 million range, I could see them saying, like, I don't really know if I want to go a fourth year. Or even, I don't know if I want to go a third year. Because if this guy ends up a bullpen piece, do, do you want the Pirates to be spending $10 million on a reliever? I, I mean, I understand that some team out there is willing to pay $18 million for a relief pitcher <laughs> who is probably going to choke. Least hate, least least liked relief pitcher in the game. <laughs> and if you're unfamiliar, I'm talking about uh, the Astros signing Josh Hader. Hader. Uh, five years, 95. That's ridiculous. I don't know if the math was 18. I think it's actually 19, isn't it? Um, something like that, 18 and a half, maybe. I'm not going to yeah. do the math because I really don't care right now. Um, <laughs> however, it's just another player the Pirates are missing out on. It's another player that they're not able to cross the finish line, which you and I went pretty heavy into. Yeah, it's just like, you know, standing on that carpet and they just keep ripping it out from underneath us, you know? Yeah, except, and this is this this may be harsh, right? But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, but who's the, who's the one actually, you know, ripping the carpet? You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. We're at fault here. I, I still believe that. I, I, whether it's the whether it's the you know losing seasons before it and just teams not believing you can do something, whether it's the fact that they're not willing to get creative with their contracts, whether it's the fact that maybe they're not. I mean, we don't have offers, right? We don't have. You can't say we offered this much money to this player. Like we don't. We haven't heard that. Right. So we don't. We don't have that in hand. So we don't know that. Maybe they offered four years 30. Maybe they offered, you know, even less than that. Maybe they were only in for like two years, 12 million. You know what I'm saying? We don't know. But it would be easy to believe that they were willing to go to 10 million a year, but maybe only two years. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it would be, that would not be, that would not blow my mind. That would be yeah, like, and, yeah, and that sounds legitimate. That's actually, you know. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm not 100% sold on Yario anyway. I'm just not, like you said, like you alluded to, if he turns out to be a bullpen piece, which he very well could be, I don't want to be paying that much money for the bullpen. But I would for one year. Yeah. So so I say, I say that to say this. He will start for this team this year, all year. He could have a 478 ERA, and he's still in this rotation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, yeah. for me, when I look at it, I'm like, I I mean, I would pay him $10 million easily because I know that he's going to make, he's going to pitch enough innings <laughs> this year to be worth that. And then if he ends up moving to the bullpen, whether it's because he's not good enough, whether he's got a 550 ERA, right, and we have to push him to the bullpen – because you know he can pitch out of the bullpen, or if it's just the fact that, like, hey, we've just got some guys who are knocking, and you know we're we want to see what Quinn Priester can do, and he's knocking on the door and he wants a chance. We want to see what Jared Jones can do, and he's knocking on the door and he wants a chance. And so when I when I look at it that way, I, I say like, yeah, if I if you end up paying Yario Rodriguez next year, 
which by the way, Martin Perez and Marco Gonzalez are on one-year deals. Mm-hmm. Well, Marco has technically a uh, an option, but you get it. They're not going to pick it up, right? Because I think it's like $20 million. I'm For some reason, I'm thinking that. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. It's been a while yeah. since I've looked at it, right? But I don't know, man. I mean, I, I would be willing to to get the guy this year, which is extremely, extremely important. I, I'd yeah. pay him $10 million to be a relief pitcher next year. But, but, but that's... When you, you may, say that, though, when you say that, though, it does make it kind of interesting to say, I don't know if, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if I'm willing to go a third year. And he got four. Yeah, yeah it's, it'd be tough for me because you got Brubaker's coming back this year. At some point this year, he'll be back. Yeah. You know, and you got these guys that are knocking on the door who are going right. to be ready this year. It, they're in a they're in a tough spot right now, in my opinion. Well, the, the, I would say I would agree with you in saying they're in a tough spot to sign a four year contract. Right, right. But and I think that that might be why some of these deals are falling through because they're they're looking at Brubaker as being a part of part of the the rotation. They're looking at really in twenty five. Uh, ge- realistically, he's supposed to be ready to go mid season this year. Right? Yeah, but like not. Yeah, but you know they're going to take their time with that. Like he's ready to go mid-season, but he, there's going to be a rehab. There's going to be a stretch-out period. Like I that's that what, all builds up to the middle of the season. I don't think so. Like I, maybe, maybe you're right. In, I think maybe that's right. projecting for him to be back. I guess I no. thought August. You know what I mean? To be actually like cemented in the rotation, if if he's even doing well enough. Right. It I takes mean, time after that surgery to, to you know get the feels back. I wouldn't be surprised to see. That him come back and pitch out of the bullpen for the remainder of the season. Now, granted, if we need him, but like, right. what would it be easier to just say, yeah, you, you'll be, you know, you'll get a shot for the rotation at twenty five. But you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean that could be an option too. I a lot of things can change between it's now just like and, you, and July. You're trying you know I mean? to get some of these pitchers, and they're getting these multi year deals, and you're nervous to go multi year deals because you have all this other talent. Sherrington said the they've offered multi-year you know I mean? deals this winter. Well, yeah, but I mean like big multi-year deals, right? Sure. Like long years. Right. Like four years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. And like I said, even if they were willing to go to 10 million, uh the higher the AAV, probably the the shorter length that they want to go. Right. For yeah. for specifically, let's talk about Yar, you know, Yario Rodriguez, who's mm-hmm. a little bit of a question, but you know you do have a backup plan to throw him into the bullpen and overpay for him. You know, at least that's there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I could see it being a little nervous going all the way to four. Now, <laughs> lower it to eight. Now, all of a sudden, your bullpen arm for eight million is kind of like, yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, if you did offer two years 10, you're still 12 million away. He's going right. to take, take the highest uh, number of money, period. Yep. Now, unless it's like a 10-year deal for $32 million, that's going to be, you know what I mean? Let's not be ridiculous, but you understand <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when it all comes down to it, you missed out on another guy. Uh, they keep missing out on guys. It's, it's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be guys left. And then you have an article uh, by Jason Mackey out here where he sat down and he talked to Bob Nutting, and, and, and he, they just keep doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling it, 
yeah, I'm running out of knowing how to use that phrase. How do you keep saying, yes, we, there are more moves we are going to make. And I'm like, don't, when are they going to say like, well, um, yeah, we're going to have to figure something out here because we thought we had our hands on some guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Right. And they shouldn't. Right. They shouldn't. I, we say that kind of stuff, but they shouldn't. But this is the guy you want to hear say things like, quote, Ben has room to make moves that we need to make. And I am on the record here talking about Ben Sherrington saying things at Pirates Fest and saying he has no incentive to lie. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that he will gain by lying about offering multi-year contracts because we're just still going to be we're still going to be critical of something, right? So right. there's no there's no real advantage to that. This is I, why do I feel though <laughs> that this is just a lie? What do you mean? has room you didn't say has budget you didn't say has the authority right you, you know things like that because could he have then said i mean if you're you know we've heard the number 85 thrown around and that number between where they're at now which is around 68 to around 85 that's what a starting pitcher costs right now mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying or very close to that you're talking about within like two to three million of some of these guys that that have been, you know, around. Now, Yaria Rodriguez right. is a little further away from that. So I really kind of thought, hey, this is a doable contract. A little, yeah. little more question marks than like, say, Sean Manaya, um, who I believe with the sweeper added last year really made a, a change in his career. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know, Jake. I, yeah, it's tough. Where do you feel like with, I mean, you read through the article too. I mean, what, where do you feel like that's at? Yeah, I mean, even to, <clears throat> as he went down through there, he even asked nothing. He's like, do you think they think we're done for the winter and or think there's more moves to be made? And he's, oh, yeah. Well, I sure hope so because we haven't got a lot of them done. Yeah, but I mean, like where? where? Who do right. you think is there? Because he also makes the comment about not like mortgaging the future by giving mm -hmm. away too much talent. So they're not going to trade for Dylan Cease. Right. They're not going to trade for Jesus Lizardo. They they went out and signed Jesus Lizardo <laughs> in the international thing and Allen Iverson. But like you can't that, Iverson Allen. Yeah, yeah. We don't got. <laughs> come on, man. It's yeah. It's it's just it's frustrating. He says he's got the room, but but. Yeah. Oh, what's Prove it mean? It. Yeah, what's Prove it mean it. though? Like, what are you gonna? Yeah. Well, I guess we'll wait and see. They keep saying mm -hmm. it, so we're gonna keep expecting it until you say we missed out on the guys we wanted. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, I, I don't know. Listen, um, I'm gonna we're gonna get into this into this interview now. Uh, Jake and I'll be back. We're gonna give you our uh, we're gonna give you our our Hall of Fame lists. Um, and. I actually have, uh, I like to say, for the end of the show, right? I like to say the real ones who stick around. I have something that I'd like to say today for the real ones. Um, but I sat down this week with John Anderson to talk about data and player projections. Uh, John, is, is uh, he's got his own uh, data warehouse site where he does the uh, player projections for all the teams. 
big fantasy baseball guy. If you're into fantasy baseball, you really need to follow this guy. But I think when I talked to him, I really wanted to find out, like, when you're making these projection, projections, when Fangraphs is making these projections and things like that, like, he gives us kind of, like, some insight into that. And I think those are the things that, like, I really want you guys to pay attention to in this conversation. Um, but also, I mean, this is a Pirates fan and, uh, you know, grew up a Pirates fan anyway. And and so, you know, it was, it was fun to, to kind of have these types of discussions centered around the Pirates. Um, it was a pretty cool conversation. Uh, so say see you later to Jake <laughs> and we'll be back because uh, Jake was not there uh, for, for the interview. But um, we'll take you to the, the discussion first and Jake will be back to, to close out the episode. All right, I'm excited to have a chat here with John Anderson on the show today. John's a big fantasy guy uh, with background in data science and analytics, which means you probably don't want to be in his league trying to compete, uh, unless, of course, you subscribe to his Substack site, John PGH MLB Data Warehouse, uh, where you can have access to all the projections, detailed uh, analytics you could ask for, weekly projections, daily and weekly breakdowns, previews during the season, Season projections, in-depth analysis. Uh, we get to talk stats today. Welcome to the show, John. Hello, man. Uh, misery loves company, as they say. And it, I started my career in baseball stuff as a twenty-year-old pirate blogger in college. I was one of the originals, I think, of like the pirate bloggers on Twitter. Not that anybody's a blogger anymore, but <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been itching for years to talk about specifically the pirates because you're right; it's all been it's all fantasy mostly for me. Yeah, um, if you uh, if you follow John on Twitter or X, uh, John uh, J O N P G H, uh, you already know about the charts and graphs that that he shares. Uh, I have been sent down a few rabbit holes after seeing some of the stuff that you put mm. up where I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm into that. And I start digging <laughs> in and which is how I do things, I guess, with statistics. Um, so I, I like to dig into all that stuff. Um, so pirates blogger, you, you grew up a pirates fan. Yeah. I grew up in Plumboro PA. Uh, I didn't have like friends in my neighborhood, which was probably why I ended up watching, all the pirate games. I watched the Penguins <laughs> and the Steelers too, but and things. All well, the Penguins were pretty miserable in the '90s too. But for whatever reason, baseball was the one that got to me. So, really, just I mean, I was born in 1990. So by the time I my brain was able to store memories, like they it, it was that 20 year spell of no winning seasons had begun. So that there were no good times. I mean, the I remember the the most exciting day of the year was always July 31st, right? To see who we would. <laughs> trade away to see what prospects that was like it was like opening day you had a little bit of hope and then july 31st you had maybe some hope of like maybe we'll get some good prospect or something <laughs> uh yeah and then the, so I, I was at least good enough smart enough wise enough as like a 25 year old to be like all right i'm gonna stop doing this to myself i'm gonna pull myself away from being so like into the team i'm not gonna watch many games and now i I don't live in Pittsburgh anymore. Um, still watch them at the beginning of the season and pay close. I, I kind of have to pay attention to every team now, but the Pirates always will have a special place for me, you know. Yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, you do uh, uh, mostly everything's basically geared around fantasy, right? And so you're doing yeah. projections for all 30 teams. Yeah, yeah, and it's all 
coding, so I don't have to, you know, one team takes just as long as, as I was all 30, right? It's all automated, scripted and stuff. But um, yeah, like you said, I have a data science background. I have a master's degree in that. I have a normal job too. Don't, don't get, <laughs> don't get me, don't get me wrong saying that you can like make a living off of baseball stuff. Uh, <laughs> you definitely still have to have a normal job. Which is good because if you spent all day in sports, I think you'd be, especially with pirate stuff, you'd be pretty depressed. But anyway, oh <laughs> yeah, um, there's definitely would be some of that. Yeah, so uh, so that's I've kind of able to do that. I've been learning that stuff and kind of really been working on the projection side of things um, for the last two years. I think I finally got them to a place. At least my hitter projections, the pitcher ones are still. Anyway, it's kind of all still a work in progress, is is what I'm saying. Um, but I'm trying to compete, and I think my hitter projections this year. I think I have the model to a pretty good place where I think they'll be competitive with the other systems. So that's kind of, that's my hobby, I guess you could say. And then I've, yeah, with, with the Substack I charge, uh, you have to be, you have to give me nine bucks a month to be a paid member of that. So <clears throat> that makes it worth my time a little bit more, but it is like the most fun thing I can think to do mess with numbers. So. Yeah, it's cool. Um, any desire to be like to do like work in analytics with like sports or MLB or a team or anything like that? I don't Is think it? so. I, I I don't think people would like me very much <laughs> in that world. And it's just like the, you know, bureaucracy and the demand. And I'm sure it's crazy demanding. And I'm sure there's a lot of politically correct stuff. And not that that's a problem, but it seems to be something that if you get into it as a career, you'll probably start not to like it as much. It's kind of something yeah. to just stick. And then, and then, yeah, I like, I have my like nine to, I work like eight to four and I do baseball stuff when I can during the day and then I'm done and I don't have to, you know, it's low demand. So that, uh, I don't think I'll be again, but I, I, after some of these teams would see some of the other stuff I tweet, I don't think I'd get any job offers. So <laughs> Which is fine. I get that though. I get the the <laughs> you know you lose the you lose that. What's a hobby? You kind of lose the excitement for yeah. it if it becomes a job. So I saw it in 2012. I had an internship with Trib Live Radio for people in Pittsburgh. They might remember that. I'm sure it's gone now. It was like an it was like an online radio station and like Ken Laird and one of the Staggerwalds, John Staggerwald was on there and some of the other uh, guy Junker had a show. So I was an intern with them. And I was already doing the pirate blog stuff. So uh, I convinced them one summer, 2012, to give me, they got me a press pass. So I was a member of the press for the 2012 Pittsburgh Pirates season, which was the one, it was the year before they first made the playoffs, right? But yeah. they had like that first half where they were pretty good. Yeah. I think they had a winning record into July or something. And then they like lost 20 games in a row. Nothing yeah. Like it. Some, <laughs> something insane. Yeah. Crash and burn. Uh, so I, I saw it firsthand and it was a real eye opener for me because at that point I was like, I want to be a journal. I want to be a Pirates radio guy or a writer or a beat writer or something. And every single one of these guys I met in the press box that summer, I was like trying to suck up to everybody. Right. They were just like miserable jerks. And, and that kind of hit me like, OK, this is like a brutal career. And I, if, if this is how you end up, I don't think this is where I want to be. So and at the time I was in college for computer science. Um, cause my dad kind of forced me to, to go into college for something that you could actually yeah. make a living out of. <laughs> so I, I was fortunate enough to listen to him in that, in that regard, although still in the back of my mind, I was like, all right, I'll get this degree. Cause that's what he wants me to do. And he, it'll help me pay for it a little bit. Uh, but then I'm going to go after the, the baseball stuff anyway. And he was right. So now I have the best of both worlds, I guess. <laughs> here. I, have, I have like a career that I can support a family with and, and tech stuff and, and data stuff. And 
can still do the baseball stuff in the spare time too. So it's perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. So obviously, um, this is a Pirates podcast, so we're going to get into, you've already posted your uh, player projections for the Pirates this year. And so we're going to get into some of the, some of what you've, uh, what you've done there. If you head over to the post and it's, it's J O N A dot substack.com, right? Yeah. So anybody listening? Not a great, not a great URL. If if you Google (laughs) MLB data warehouse, I think it'll show up. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see, uh, O'Neill Cruz, Brian Reynolds, Jack Swinsky, Henry Davis there, uh, before you get to that, uh, paywall section. And so, oh, yeah. you know, you're able to, you're able to, to take a look at, uh, at some of that, what it looks like, and really any of the other teams as well. Um, I know that I looked at the Washington Nationals one because of one of the comps that you put in for one of the players, uh, for O'Neill yeah. Cruz was CJ Abrams. And I was like, boy, I would never have put those two together, but I, you know, I looked at it and I was like, oh, I see, I see where that lands. So, yeah. Was, and <laughs> and it's not perfect because I I when I write those one team at a time, so then when I'm writing the team, I'm only gonna put a comp for someone I've already ranked. So the Pirates were like sense. this eighth team or something. So I had very like I wouldn't that yeah. wouldn't be the perfect you know. But O'Neill Cruz, the real comp is Ellie De La Cruz, right? Like those two are almost the same exact player. I mean, both yeah, huge, weird. hit the yeah. ball extremely hard, run extremely fast, and strike out a ton. So the cruises, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super weird. Um, as it stands today, we'll get into, we'll get into some of the, some of the numbers and questions and obviously opinions. Um, I'll start with a very broad question for you and saying, do you think that the upcoming 2024 team as it stands today can be better than the 23 team? Can't. Yeah, they can be better. Yeah. I think they were lucky in 2023. If you look at like the. The run differential stuff, they were probably way, not way worse, but they were definitely like three to five wins worse than what they actually put out. Mm-hmm. But but with uh, they missed their best player or second best player, I guess, you know, O'Neill Cruz missed the whole year. Um, and then a lot of the guys that they're depending on this year weren't factors like Henry Davis wasn't. Uh, you, basically, the projection would be that Henry Davis will be better this year and you'll get a full year out of him. And if he improves, then that's a big bolster to the lineup. Um, and then O'Neal, I mean, O'Neal Cruz, if he can stay healthy and play the whole year, that could be a, I don't know, four to six win player by himself right there. So um, I, I don't, I'm not going to be surprised if they're not better. I don't think this is a good team as it currently stands. I think if everything works out for the lineup, if everything works out for the offense, like if nothing goes wrong, it's a, it's an average lineup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and maybe that's a little bit negative. I mean, I guess if Reynolds and if Reynolds is, is does his thing and Sawinski strikes out less and O'Neill Cruz has that like season that he's capable of, then maybe they're a 60th percentile offense. But the pitching staff, man, it's it's really really bad. I mean, that it's got to be bottom five in the league. It's probably the second worst in the National League behind the Rockies. And there's really it doesn't seem like they're going to make any big splashes. I I still think we can hope that they get one more like competent guy but yeah i mean mitch keller was very good but he's not as good as he looked last year and then after that you got like four guys that should probably be the fifth starter on any given team so it's bad yeah it's definitely rough i think the offense uh, i think the offense will be better um but 
yeah, it's it's going to be that pitching staff is going to tell what as far as how far the team goes. Where I think really last year it was it was a little bit of both, and so yeah, yeah, I, I'm about there. Yeah, that, so, Oviedo. I don't know. I, I would like to ask you how do you do how do you do this? You've you've been running a Pirates podcast for what'd you say three seasons now? <laughs> yeah. How do you how do you do that? I mean, I how do you not just like get sick of it? Uh, I love hey. baseball, and you know, grew up watching the Pirates. That's my team. Um, do you watch all the games? Is that yeah, like your, I pretty much watch yeah. all the games. Yeah, I don't. Okay. If I'm home, like I I don't watch much TV unless it's, it's a live sport. Yeah. So I'm watching it. I I, I don't get sick of baseball. You know, I, I just don't. So cool. So as you get into projections, um, there's a few things that come to mind, and 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 I think about this when I'm looking at any of them, right? And uh, I think we're going to start with with the biggest question. And I sent this to you earlier that I was going to bring this up, and I think it's to me one of the biggest things that um, that I'm always curious about, and. Just, uh, I'm going to set it up here because we know uh, we know experience plays a role in development uh, or progression of younger players, and we also know that the Pirates don't call up guys like Ken Griffey Jr. and Bryce Harper and Juan Soto. I mean, like, it doesn't mean that like McCutcheon can't outplay Mike Trout for a couple seasons, but yeah. he didn't hit the league at 19 years old, right? And we really, I, I looked back, the Pirates have never really had that. Like, not ever. You could say Bonds, but he was 21 when he broke in, and he had like he had just over nine war in his first two seasons. And before that, you have to go all the way back to 1932. Archie Vaughn came into the league at age 20 and had 10.5 war in his first two seasons. Other than that, like, it just doesn't exist in the Pirates' history. And so for everyone else that plays for the Pirates uh, and many other teams – uh, development is still taking place in their first few years in the show. Um, you mentioned you mentioned this in your Pirates preview when you were talking about Henry Davis and um, and other players with like a small sample in MLB. I think of Majinski, Triolo, Nick Gonzalez, guys like that uh, on this team. Um, and I'll I'll present this in three questions and let you run with that. But when you're doing projections like these. Is it even possible to quantify natural progression? If so, how hard is that? And if it's not, do you ever do you take the liberty to like boost something like that up, or do you just project only looking back and not forward? Um. So yeah, just to be general, I guess it it is. It is hard um, to project players that don't have several hundred plate appearances and just taking hitters, but the yeah. same applies to pitchers. Yeah. Um, very hard to project until you have 400, 500, ideally 1,000, 2,000 plate appearances in the major leagues. Um, but we have all the access to the minor league da- data, um, and so that's how my model will work. But the problem, like I think I what I wrote about Henry Davis is that the projection on him is bad. Um, it's 12 homers, 224 batting average. I don't, I think he's easily going to go over that, but he's one of these tough guys. Cause he had 255 plate appearances in the majors and they weren't very good. Um, but in the minor leagues, he was very good. So my model will use 
it doesn't really go to the individual level, which maybe that's an improvement you could make. But basically, it'll say, okay, this hitter was between double A and triple A, he struck out 24% of the time. The average hitter that goes from double A to triple A to the major leagues in that first couple hundred plate appearances, the average increase of a strikeout rate is 15%. So we will just apply that to everybody. So my model, if I don't have enough major league data yet, it's going to use that for the strikeout rate. It's going to take what he did in the, in the minor leagues and add 15% and project that. Now that during the season, these projections change because maybe one day Henry Davis will hit his 500th plate appearance and that'll trigger something in the model to be like, okay, now we can weigh, now we're weighing the major league data a little bit more. Mm. So if he's, if he's, if he's striking out at 20% of the majors, then all of a sudden that projection starts to drop towards that. Um, but when you're, uh, yeah, it's, it's really tricky with these guys and what you could do and not all minor leaguers, not all players are created equal, obviously. Like if a guy in the minors is hitting, so like an Ellie De La Cruz or an O'Neill Cruz in the minors, his home runs aren't going to look the same as, uh, I don't know, Leovi Paguero or whatever, whatever the pronunciation is, because these guys are just like hitting the ball way harder. And soon enough, we'll have all this data at all levels. Right now we have like the stat cast stuff in AAA. So my model does use some of that. It's like, okay, if this guy's hitting his home runs like crazy hard, then we'll project that he'll be able to keep up the power production a little bit more. Yeah, so that's just kind of a general answer. But um, with the Pirates, and I think this is good news for the Pirates because we have a lot of these players that the projections aren't very good because they weren't super great in the major leagues. And we don't, none of them were like tearing up the minor leagues like insane either, right? Like you said, we don't, there's none of these like uh, once in a lifetime talents that you would, just say that the normal rules don't apply to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's good news because w- with uncertainty, you have either, uh, you know, I, I know with Brian Reynolds that just say he's going to be either like right here or right here. We know who he is. He's kind of going to fluctuate between these two lines. With Henry Davis, it's like, where's my camera? You know, <laughs> he could go, he could be an all star this year or he could be so bad that he has to go back to the minors. Um, so at least you have that upside, right? Like right. in previous years with the pirates, you've had a bunch of guys that you just know aren't any good or, or at least, <laughs> yeah. you know, so now at least it's like with, with Davis and I think Sawinski even he's still young, too young in his career to say that he'll always be a 32% strikeout rate. So he's got big upside. Um, Hayes still has, we've seen some improvements from him lately. So he's got some upside and, and all these other guys, Gonzalez, um, and, and plenty of the other, especially with these pitchers that hopefully, will be a part of the team at, uh, at some point in the middle of the year. So the parts, the ceiling I'd say is higher than it's been in a quite a long time. Um, but the average projection, the median projection isn't, isn't very good. And that is the one thing to keep in mind with when anytime you're looking at a projection system, the the stats you're looking at are basically, this is what we would expect them to do if the season was played a thousand times over again, this would just be the average. So it doesn't really factor in the ceiling and the, and, and the floors as much as some people would like. So it's, it's unlikely that the pirates go win 85 games or something this year, but it's more likely this year than ever since 2015 or 16, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm about there. I, I don't really, uh, I mean the diamondbacks, right. They won 84 games, made it to the world series. I don't know that yeah. you get into the playoffs with 84 wins, but like, I, I, I don't know. Like, sure. Can they get there? Yeah, I think so. Is that a stretch to assume that? Yeah, I think so too, especially with the pitching right now and just the unknowns. 
Yeah. I, I mean, the playoffs, they're still expanded, right? I mean, they're, yeah. they're not taking – so this is as good a time as any for a team like the like the Diamondbacks or, or Pittsburgh mm-hmm. or whoever it may be, especially because the Pirates aren't in the NL West, thankfully, where you know for sure the Dodgers are winning 110 games or whatever, 102. And so you, it's not like the division is out of the question. Like you said, 88, maybe they play well and they luck into some wins and they win 86, 87 games. That could win the division. And then all of, there's extra wild card too. So you're right. Like if they can just kind of improve a little bit and lock into something, then all of a sudden you can be in the playoffs. And uh, with, I mean, anything can happen in a three game series, which they play right away. Yep. It would be a coin flip basically that the pirates could win that first round. They're probably not beating, beating the Dodgers in a seven game series, but it's not insane to think, you know, so it's more possible now than ever, just, just by the fact that there's an extra team in the playoffs and most of the series are shorter. And Pirate fans, I, I, we're still not over those one-game wild cards, right? From four, 2013 and 24, well, 2014 and 15, or when we lost. But um, so yeah, and that's an interesting thing to, to talk about it because it doesn't seem the most fair. Like Dodgers and Braves were just clearly the two; they were miles ahead of everybody else last year as the best teams, and then they get these quick five-game series that they lose and they're out. But it, it's another good thing that that kind of works for the the bad teams a little bit. Yeah, you get into the tournament, anything can happen. I mean, they say good pitching wins, but yeah. it doesn't mean the highest paid pitching wins or the best pitcher throughout the season wins. I mean, last year you were getting wins from guys like Brandon Fott and you know these guys who actually weren't even good in the regular season had incredible yeah. starts in their run. And so, yeah, it was uh, it, it good pitching still wins, but it doesn't necessarily mean up, good pitchers win. The other upside part is that if the Pirates would be somehow in first or second place in July – they would at first they would at least try and probably be they would go get another starter right like they yeah. would trade some of these prospects that's something the management would do i don't think that's out of the question and then so all of a sudden you could have if Skeens is as good as everybody says like i'm lower on him than most people just by it's just incredibly hard to go from college to the major leagues and be successful in one year right right but it, you're looking at the the absolute best case scenario is you have Mitch Keller that pitches like an ace again you have Paul Skeens pitching very well. And then you have a guy they got as a trade and all of a sudden you have three pretty good, uh, pretty, pretty good arms at the top of the rotation. So things can turn around in a hurry there. And you couldn't say that last year, we didn't have the skeins, the guy that you're kind of, I think people are going to end up putting way too much pressure on this guy. And, and if he yeah. busts, it's going to be, it's going to be so brutal if he doesn't turn into an ace, <laughs> but there's, it, it kind of goes along with the last thing I said, there is a path to a good year for the pirates. It's just a kind of a narrow one. Yeah, I see. Uh, Skeens for me is is not. Uh, there's a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of hype around him. Uh, for me, I I just don't see how like he he has a lot to to work on still. I don't see how he yeah. breaks camp with the team. And even if he does, he's gonna have to be shut down at some point. So if if it was my choice, I would definitely push that back because if for some reason this team is in it, I mean, I could see. I mean, how many times has it been done? I could see them bringing him up for. Uh, a reliever role down the stretch, even just to still limit innings, but get production from him right away and yeah. he, allow him to continue to develop. But that's, um, you know, that's he did the, throw a lot of innings last year, though. I mean, he, he threw a lot. You're right that they don't want, they're not going to want to put too much on him in this first year, but it's not like his arm has never done it before. So, and it's a different story pitching against call. I mean, he's going, he's going from like, you know, th- this time last year or before he was drafted, he was facing hitters that like aren't all that much better than like 
friends we have, you know, if you have friends that played <laughs> baseball in college or something, yeah. even if they played, D- like everybody, everybody knows that played D- someone that played D2 college. It's like, okay, just someone a, a step above them. That, that's the guy that Paul Skeens was striking out. And now, so then eight, uh, you know, eight months later, we, we expect him to go up against um, whatever the Braves lineup and like <laughs> have yeah. success with, but maybe if his stuff's that in good, it'll work. <laughs> yeah. like, no, I don't think so. But yeah. it's, and I think you're right. I think the pirates have, Unless they're like actually for sure have a good team, I don't know why they would use the the extra service. They're at the start his clock any earlier than they can because everybody knows that if he turns into what if he turns into the Cy Young candidate, he's just not going to be a pirate after he gets to free agency. It's just not going to happen. So they're really going to want to buy as much time as they can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, whether we agree with it or not, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but also at the same time, uh, you know, I just after after Oviedo going down with the injury, uh, we've seen yeah. some of our other guys with the velocity drops and things like that, and we're like, okay, let's be careful with this one. Let, let's ease yeah. into this. You know what I mean? Let's see if we can not uh, do that. So yeah, uh, we just don't. We don't have. How long has it been since we've had like a starter throwing ninety nine, a hundred, and and a, or a hitter hitting forty home runs? I mean, I guess. We had Cole and Pedro Alvarez had that one year, but you're right. It's just been like, we cannot seem to lock into any of these like just stud players. Yeah. Actual, the actual number 40, I believe is Willie Stargell is the last pirate to hit 40. Where did Alvarez hit that one year? He had had 36 led, led the league with 36, but yeah, it was 36 different time back. Yeah. And, uh, and Josh Bell was close as well in, in 19. So, um, but yeah, so still crazy. Uh, speaking of home runs, I want to ask about uh, O'Neill Cruz, um, his impact on the team. Uh, your projection says 27 homers, 65 RBIs, uh, 752 OPS. Uh, I want to note one thing here, though, is you have uh, Cruz at 29 stolen bases. How willing would you be to bet on the fact that he'll end the season with more bags than bombs? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, I think I, so there's been an adjustment on that and now he's down to, Oh no, I got to update here. Uh, well, yeah. Cause I, those posts aren't going to update. It's on like the dashboard thing. Okay. Uh, he's, he's at 26 numbers and 18 steals right now. There you go. I think he'll, he's going to run a ton. Um, but he's just not going to be on first base that often. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He's going to, he's going to be striking out or hitting something very far to where it, so it, What's his walk walk rate? Nine percent. So he's a little bit above average. So he'll, he'll take some walks, but yeah. And that I mean, increased. Uh, that increased a bit in his like in twenty two at the end of twenty two. He kind okay. of he had a really really bad August, and then he came back in September and October, and I mean he hit. I, I believe he was over three hundred and uh, on base uh, over three hundred, and okay, yeah. you know what I mean, and just seemed to. I think he struck out less or or somewhat less. I mean, he's going to strike out, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that that is what it is. But, like, the one thing that I noticed with it is I think in August he had five home runs and in September, October he had six. So, like, even when he's really bad and he was, like, down right. in the 190s in batting average, even when he's bad, I mean, I just feel like this guy's going to accidentally hit 25, 30 home runs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just Yeah, 25 is, like, a floor. I yeah. Would. I would say if he if he plays all year, he's he swings about so hard that if he if he has six hundred plate appearances, then yeah, twenty five of those are going to have to turn into home runs. Just 
because that's what he does. He swings unless he change. Maybe they'll want him to change his approach or something and try to make more contact. I think that would be stupid. I think now <laughs> you can see like the the one stat that blew my mind this year was like um, Kyle Schwarber hit 191 last year or whatever it was. Ichiro Suzuki hit 330 or something in 2009, and they had the same exact weighted runs created plus. Mm-hmm. So like that that shows you that batting average really is not very important so and i think the pirates aren't you know they're smart enough to know that like go go try to hit 35 homers and steal bases whenever that's available to you and we'll be perfectly happy with that and you should be i mean a 230 batting average sounds perfectly fine to me with o'neill cruz um i have him about 220 and yeah the strikeouts aren't going away even if he does try to make more contact and improve on that i think just the fact that he's so tall those guys will just always have trouble with strikeouts. I mean, even Aaron Judge has never had a season with a very good strikeout rate. Right. You're that tall, you just there's just so much more that's going on to get to the ball. So it's it's going to be high, but I, we don't want to worry too much about that with him just because the power is so crazy. Yeah, and I think the Pirates have kind of set that precedence a little bit with with Jack Swinski. I mean, they don't seem to want to change the way that he's doing things either. Uh, it seems yeah. like they're totally fine with you know some more strikeouts if he can continue to improve on the power. I mean, if he becomes a, a, a 30 homer guy, uh, Sawinski, then I think that you kind of say, okay, well, he's going to strike out a lot. You brought up Kyle Schwarber. And I think that that's, you know, the one thing about Sawinski is he doesn't chase, so he's going to walk. Yeah. So it's kind of the same sort of story there. And so I, yeah, I don't see them changing anything about O'Neill Cruz going forward either. So uh, that's good to see for me, like just, and like so, the projections on Sawinski, the, there's a playing time question apparently. The steamer projection system only gave him 476 plate appearances. I don't know what he did last year. He hits a lot against lefties, I guess. But it's it's 22 homers in that and that time, and that that seems low to me too. But if you add on 100 plate appearances of that, that turns into 27, 28. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I think he can be if he can just strike out like two points lower, get it to 29 percent or 30 percent or something. Mm-hmm. But you're right, he does give away give away. He walks a lot, which yeah. which takes away some home runs, but perfectly fine. So, yeah, and, and his like his whole approach is just hit a fly ball. He has one of the highest fly ball rates in the entire league. So he's up there either walking, striking out, or hitting a fly ball. Right, and that works. Yeah, uh, three thirty nine on base last year with a two twenty four average. So I mean, it's it's yeah. definitely there. And like you know, we're talking about there's a lot of strikeouts, but he had five hundred and thirty four plate appearances last year. So okay. yeah, he definitely had a. He's he's hitting against lefties still. Um, there was a stretch that was really bad. They started giving him some time off, but like, essentially, uh, I think this year needs to be some of the same. He needs to just continue to hit against lefties. If he goes out this year and he has a really good year, but he still can't hit against lefties, then I'm willing to say, okay, he's a platoon player. But I just hate doing that too early with with young players. Uh, see if they can work through it first. So that's kind of my my deal on that. But but yeah, I mean, I. I'm high on Swinsky. I, I like him. He's excellent against righties. Yeah. He's like 850 OPS last year. Crazy good. He slugged over 500 against righties. So I, I'm okay. I, I understand you probably want the guy to play every day just for the rhythm and the confidence or whatever. But I mean, Platoon's pretty good because it, like the San Francisco Giants do it a ton. Not that they've had a lot of success, mm-hmm. but they've kind of just decided like we're going to Platoon as many guys as we can because why am I putting a lefty up there against the lefty? And there's a righty that I know will do better. So um, right. 
Uh, Oliveris, maybe that. I think maybe that's what they were thinking with that trade. I mean, the Royals needed to ditch somebody, so Edward Oliveris is the opposite. Um, very good hitter against lefties. Both of these guys are bad defensively. Um, Oliveris is like the worst outfielder in the league, apparently. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I don't think Sawinski will play much against lefties, and I think that's probably to the team's benefit. But maybe there's more to it than just the numbers they put up. I don't know. I'm, gu- I'm guessing Sawinski wants to play every day. You know, he doesn't he sure. doesn't like getting sat down every third sure. game. So, it it, it probably I mean, it also depends on what happens as far as center field because right now he is your center fielder, and yeah, you know, they're gonna need him. Yeah. And, and Alvarez is not a center fielder, so you know you got that situation going too. So if they pick up a center fielder and, and they can afford to do that, you know, I I think that you know it's who it's was possible. it last year? It was Swinsky and Chiwan Bay. Did he play center field? Uh, yeah, he played. I think thirty games. Uh, if you want to, if you want to think that Swinsky's bad at center, watch Chiwan Bay play it. Okay, and then you're like, oh no, Swinsky's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. They don't. We we don't do anything with defensive numbers in fantasy, so I know right. nothing about defensive grade so. yeah essentially uh the the book is on Swinsky is he gets really bad jumps and okay. after that he's okay uh the numbers favor him much more in right field where he's in center field he's like league average so okay. but a little above in in right field so but either Do we way have any good defenders besides Hayes is Hayes our only good defensive player Hayes is the best defensive player in all of baseball uh yeah. to compare really no. <laughs> no, 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 nobody really. else. Um, yeah, what about I Figueroa? He's, is he a good shortstop? He's fine. He's um, a lot like Cruz. There at short, there's there's errors, and so yeah, Cruz. That's the other thing we didn't. Is Cruz? You think Cruz is a shortstop in Cruz five is years? A shortstop. I, uh, in five years, I I don't know. Uh, if Cruz always, wants to be a shortstop, I don't think anybody's going to move him off. As so far, that's not what's happened. He's certainly capable of playing it. Has it's, there ever been another six foot eight shortstop no. though? So I no. It just seems like something that's not really possible. But there's not too many right. six eight human beings, I guess. So the sample is low. <laughs> yeah. The weird thing is, is like, and this is early, right? He's still young. I think as he gets into his late twenties, early thirties, that this might change. But like, mobility is not the issue. Going down is not the issue. It's really his throwing. So most of his errors are throwing errors. And so it's, it's kind of strange. I think eventually he goes to the outfield. But if, you know, had he been willing to go to the outfield when he was in the minor leagues, we might be saying he's the center fielder. I mean, he's yeah. certainly fast enough. His arm is good enough. And from the outfield, a little easier to be accurate, from, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean, than, than it is to get rid of the ball really quick. You can square your yeah. body up and throw it, you know, the I right way. I assumed he would... I'd assumed he would end up in right field eventually or as a DH, but yeah. he's not a DH because they don't have any other, you know, you don't want him at DH because he's at, like talented and they really don't have a great defense, it seems. so. Yeah, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon's going to probably take the bulk of the at-bats there too. So. Yeah, and then so. Tillet, well, I guess Tillet and, and Joe are in a platoon. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah probably it's be interesting. Most, most I don't know. I've always been skeptical that the defense stuff really even matters that much, but I guess they... Can quantify it to say that yeah it does i mean you can save runs with your glove mm-hmm. in the same way that you can with your bat i think it's i think it's i think the impact of a good hitter is much more than the same level of good fielder probably but i don't know it's interesting i think in I today's game i think in today's game that's uh that's more true than it ever has been too yeah. I, I think with three true outcomes and the walk rates and strikeouts 
I think that that is more true today than than ever before because the ball's just not hit in play that much, and when it is, you're right. probably getting a strikeout or some guy's going to hit a two-run homer anyway. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. not it's, – it's just kind of weird. The one thing I, I do like – I don't know if this is what the Pirates were thinking. Getting they're gonna they got two crappy pitchers, right? Marco Gonzalez and Martin Perez, but at least they're left-handed, and that should result in more pulled balls, which is toward Hayes and it's toward that big yep. left field. So it's always if you're gonna give up a fly ball in PNC Park, it's better to have it go to left field than to right. So maybe that's what they were thinking. I've been kind of campaigning that for like 15 years now. Like, look, you have this huge notch out there. Whatever you you want to do to just get balls out there and i guess those turn into triples and doubles a lot too but better than a home run so uh, that was good to see and i i think perez and gonzalez can be like 4.5 era guys maybe which is better than what prior to those guys we were like who's even going to throw the innings i mean i don't (laughs) don't even know how they were going to get through the season you know you there's a lot of innings to cover you got to play 162 games and pitch eight or nine innings in each one of them so yeah um, i don't know those were fine moves i don't have any problems with anything they did this offseason but yeah they definitely need one more one more free agent pitcher or some kind of trade keep missing out on everybody and yeah you can you know it's a big question you know hey i I understand you're in on these guys but we we gotta we gotta we gotta get one of them so yeah yeah, it's it's rough there's the, the young guys are coming but no it's just not fast enough i mean they they're really missing an opportunity if they don't get anybody else um so i have a question for you here we got Sawinski, uh, 26 homers, Reynolds, 24 homers last year. Uh, any chance this team has four guys get to 20 home runs this year? So we got Cruz, Reynolds, Sawinski, who I think is a pretty safe bet to say we think that those guys can all three get to 20. Yeah. Is there any, I mean, if Telez bounce back, if Hayes gets hot, Henry Davis plays enough. Uh, is there any chance like what, you know, four guys hit 20 home runs? One of those. Yeah. No, I think it's more likely than not that one of those three you just mentioned gets to 20. Um, 20 is not a ton at, at this point in a you know, when you're talking about a home run hitter. You're talking more of in the thirties. Um, but yeah, Cruz, assuming health Cruz is total lock. Reynolds is a lock. Um, Sawinski will get there. And then the, I think, I think Rowdy can do it. I mean, he hit 30, whatever with the Mm -hmm. Brewers two years ago. And he, if you look at his numbers against righties for his career, whatever he does against them, that's enough to to project him. If he plays all that, you know, he's a 20, 25 Homer guy. What is that? So I have him for 14, but that's assuming only 373 plate appearances, which sounds too low. Um, So yeah, I, I think those four, Sure, and then and then just the fact that you have three you have three possibilities, like you said, Telez, mm-hmm. um, Henry Davis, and Hayes, and and Hayes. Sure, and yeah. Those people could, are calling for Pagaro's power to show up. I don't know if that's if it's if playing time gets. To, I mean, I'm just saying any anything can happen. The reason yeah. I ask is only the 1999 Pirates had four guys hit 20 home runs in a season. They've never done it other than that. Really? And uh, any guesses? 1999. That's that's kind of in a good pocket for you. All right. Um, Al Martin. Yeah. One's easy. I was eight years, was eight years old. Bri- was that Brian Giles? Yeah, Brian Giles. Now the other two are a little. One's impossible. 
<laughs> but the other one, maybe. He's, he's still. Well, wasn't John? It wasn't John Wayne. It wasn't I guess. John Wayne. No, he was on that team. Other side of the um, infield, though. But I mean, Jay Bell and Jeff King were gone by then. I guess right. They weren't home run hitters anyway. <laughs> Not Jay Bell was when he left. Right, he went to Arizona and at forty. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Tell me. Uh, Kevin Young and oh. Ed Sprague. Ed Sprague. All right. Nice. <laughs> so so yeah, right. super Ed- weird. But like, that's the kind of point I was making. Is like. Without Ed Sprague getting the 20, uh, you know, yeah. the last time the Pirates had three guys hit 20 was 2016. Kutch, Jung Ho Gung, and Polanco, and then 2013, Pedro Kutch and Garrett Jones. Just not That's even really getting funny. three guys to hit to hit 20 home runs. Jung, Jung Ho Gung is like one of those just like crazy, hilarious stories. I mean, it, they're all kind of tragic, I guess, in a way. That <laughs> yeah. There's so many of these guys are like, what are this person doing with yeah, I I know the the '90s I guess was a kind of a home run era too. But I would li- like if you can if you're looking at 2019. I mean 2019, everybody was hitting home runs and now it's kind of cooled off. But anyway, home runs are way more like it, it, comparing like 2005 to 2015 that whole era. Home runs are way easier to hit now because of the approaches and mm-hmm. maybe some of the baseball stuff too. It's like with the NFL, you see all these like receiving yards and passing yards records being shattered, and it's just like. Yeah, because nobody passed the ball before. Yeah, like like 2015. <laughs> That's right. So pass rates are way up, which just okay, everybody's gonna break. And there's an extra game, so yeah, those records are gonna be broken every year because everybody's doing things differently. And that's true with baseball too. Like players are trying to hit home runs way more than they had been in the past. Mm-hmm. But it's pathetic. You're right. The, and you, 2019 you was the year that, that Josh Bell had uh, 37, and Marte had 23. Yeah. So still only two. Brian Reynolds, uh, I think that was his his first season. He hit 16, um, and then it just you know kind of tapered off from there. A lot of double digits there. Yeah. Like there's three guys with 10, but Gung one of them still in 2019. But Kevin Newman hit 12 home runs that year. That's pretty crazy. But uh, <laughs> um, still only two guys with 20 homers. That's, I mean, it does kind of show that it's a little bit of a. I mean. They're following that same thing where guys are hitting home runs more often and they're getting guys like Sawinski and Cruz who will be low average, high home run guys. And so I don't know. Just thought it was interesting when we're looking at projections. I thought that was Nick, a, that Nick was a Gonzalez. Fun. I don't I think Nick Gonzalez is gonna have a strikeout problem, but he he did slug five oh seven in triple A these last two years. And he, I have I actually have triple A barrel rates now and he he was one of the guys he was like the only guy that had a good uh, him and Miguel Andujar was is just like the greatest triple A hitter ever. Right? Yeah, of course. Um, but Gonzalez has a he has the ability to barrel the ball, and it, hopefully everybody's familiar with what that means. It's kind of a newer mm-hmm. metric, but basically those are the balls that turn into home runs. So he could be a guy that could. He's not going to start right away, I don't think. But maybe he will. Maybe if he tears it up in spring training. Right. But he he has there's some power in him. But that's about. There's not like there's there's not many offensive reinforcements coming from the minors. I don't think it's all kind of on the pitching side. Right, especially now that a lot of these guys are graduating. I, I'm still yeah. in on Nick Gonzalez too. I, you know, when you the strikeouts, yes, they're there, but like he's even hit for good averages all through the minors, and so like it's a really confusing and interesting line. Usually, it's like yeah, strikes out a lot, has some pop, low average, all that stuff, but like he's actually like a decent average hitter, uh, and I believe what an 885 or something goofy like that OPS th- throughout the entire minors. Yeah, that looks right. It, I have, I don't know when he got the AAA. Well, let's just look at 2023 AAA 
Yeah, uh, 886 OPS from what I have. Still 14 homers there, but that was in 440 plate appearances. So, yeah. A, so, f- yeah. according to baseball reference, minors three in three seasons in the minors, 888 overall OPS at every level. I don't know if that includes yeah. like uh, the fall league or anything. I, I don't think so, but I think that's kind of included yeah. in the other, which is a one dot. <laughs> but still 27% strikeout rate, which is that's too high against yeah. minor league pitchers. Yeah. It, it's, it only came it came up to twenty eight percent in a short time in the majors. So, but if you're know, there's still there's hope for him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. If you're a, a two eighty hitter uh, throughout the minors with that kind of strikeout rate, and you drop to a two sixty hitter, two fifty, two sixty in the majors, but you're still hitting fifteen home runs, you know, there's still like there's a job for you at least. Yeah. It, the, the question is is whether Pagero is actually going to be better than that or not, and he'll actually have the room to play more. It, that's really the question. Or if he's involved in one of those trades uh, at some point yeah. for a pitcher. <laughs> so, And at least we have these two, we have two, two lottery tickets at least. In the past, we've had zero. So yeah. it's better to have the, the, yeah. the long shots than not. A lot of Pirate fans uh, have a big deep breath and then sigh when we say things like <laughs> that because we're like, yeah, could we just have one of them work out for us, please? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, I totally get it. Uh, but hey, man, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, thanks for coming on, talking about this stuff. Um, take another opportunity now to to tell everybody where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, if, if you don't play fantasy baseball, you're probably not interested. But um, MLB Data Warehouse is what it's called. Uh, the in the season, there's a daily notes thing every day, and a lot of that, like half of that to three quarters of it, is free for everybody. It's just kind of a automated summary of what happened the other day, but it's still always focused on fantasy stuff. So if you're just a pirate fan, I don't have much to tell you, but um, I put out a lot of baseball stuff on Twitter, J O N P G H there too. So um, that's me. Hope to hope I can come back here in the middle of the season and have some good stuff to talk about. Yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I did the pirates talk. It gets me going. You know, I don't, (laughs) I talk about uh, all these other teams and players and stuff, but like I said, my, my roots are with the pirates. A lot of just like sad, sad times as a kid. Although it was, it was still fun. You know, when yeah. you're a kid, whatever. So that's it's, baseball. It's, it's in your blood. You can't get it to go away. Yeah, that's that's baseball for sure. Well, anytime yeah. you get the itch, you let us know. We'll get you on. We'll All talk right. pirates. Uh, we'll have a good time. But appreciate you being on and uh, uh, follow follow him on Twitter because even if you're not into fantasy, the some of the some of the statistics and everything that you drop down, I'm telling you, it's. It, it's eye-opening a lot of times. It's it's really cool stuff. Scatter plots, bro. I am the number one scatter plot tweeter in the baseball world. <laughs> so if you like a scatter plot, I'm your man. That's it. Thanks. Good meeting you, Josh. Yeah, for sure. And here we are. I hope that you guys uh, enjoyed that conversation. I know that it was a it was a good time. Uh, it was a good time to to get to know somebody new. Talk. Pirates baseball with somebody who doesn't get to talk Pirates baseball all the time, but also I'm always really interested in some of those conversations about projections and how they're, because I mean, like you see projections all the time and you say like, there's no way, like this guy's going to do better than this. He's got to, (laughs) like, especially if you're a fan of somebody, right? Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? Sometimes you look at a production projection and you say, man, I thought that guy was better than that. I guess not. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, well, and it was kind of interesting to hear him talk about the, the gap between you know, the ceiling and the floor and how mm-hmm. you just don't know and stuff like that. So um, I thought it was interesting. You put the blanket on everybody 
that don't have a whole lot of major league stats yeah. built up yet. Just like boom, just blanket. This is where we're at. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> like fifteen. Like I mean, I'm sure like there's the 15% other examples. Strikeout rate. Right, yeah. yeah, for sure. So, and, and you know, you read some of that stuff, or you get you kind of hear some of that stuff, and you get the insight in that, and it kind of does change maybe a little bit about like, oh, well, Fangraphs has this team like. For instance, if you're looking at it saying like how bad are the Pirates or the Rockies or something like that, and you say, well, Fangraphs has all their projections so low, there's no way they're even going to score 700 runs, so how can they win more than 60 games, right? Well, mm -hmm. a lot of that is, you know, just based on these, especially for young teams like the Pirates, and how do you, you know, you can't actually do that. Right. Um, and I would imagine that Fangraphs, like he said, he doesn't have, like he doesn't go into the individual, right? These are... These are like automated based on numbers and statistics. And I'd be surprised yeah. if if it's different, if that's different. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would imagine Fangraphs has the same sort of things. And if you ask somebody at Fangraphs, like, hey, why do you only have Jack Sawinski at 300 plate appearances? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's obvious he's gonna have more than that, you know. And they say, Well, it's just what the that's what the that's what the computer that's what the shredder did, like MLB network top ten, right? Yep. Yep. So all right, so um Tuesday, right? I think it's Tuesday. They're going to announce mm -hmm. the uh, the Hall of Fame ballots. And uh, so you and I, like every year, we make our list. This year, uh, because of the calendar and the and the um, the episodes and the way that we've talked about them, you know, we had this interview come up at this point, and so it kind of changed uh, our level of uh, conversation about it, I guess you can say. Yeah. So... Um, we have our Hall of Fame ballots. We're going to go through them real quick, and then if there's anything to talk about. Um, how many do you have returning from last year? Do you have that written down? Um, I don't have that written down. I only have four returning. I know I have. Scott Rowland's in, right? And I remember last year I, I put Jeff Kent on there uh, because it was his 10th year on the ballot, and I'm, I don't know. I put him on there. He's gone. He he did not. He's he didn't get in, and that was ten years. So he's off. I think other, I have like four or five. Yeah, the other four I have returning. Um, okay, so I think it's safe to say that we have a, a lists that are very close. Like what eight guys that are the same? I have five returning. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, eight the same. Eight the same. So let's not do the uh, the first ballot, guys, but I I'll just kind of read down through. We both have uh, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, uh, Gary Sheffield, I will mention, last year on the ballot uh, for him this year, uh, and Andrew Jones, which I did not have on my ballot last year, Jimmy Rollins, who I did not have on my ballot last year, and Francisco Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. Those are our similar. Which I did not have last year. Okay, those are our similarities for, yeah, I remember that, for this year. So then also a returning player that I have um, kind of revisited is Carlos Beltran. It was his first year last year. I did not put him on there. I wondered if maybe I was kind of holding this, like, late in his career Astros scandal thing against him. I don't really know. Um, I started I looking we... at the numbers and... I mean, maybe it's a you're not getting in on the first ballot, which I don't understand that either. Like, if you're not in on the first, what what makes you? You didn't even you didn't right. hit you didn't hit ten more home runs to get on there for the second. So I don't you know I don't really know why I would have done that, but 
I guess just you just rethink things and you look yeah. at guys well, and you I think say, we said, I think we said that last year, like, dude, you, you were caught up into something. Does it ruin your career? No, but you're not going to be a first ballot hall of famer. Okay. So maybe that was part of it. I, it's funny how you can actually have two different thoughts, two different years from now too. Um, yeah. he did have a great career. He put up a lot of great numbers and I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I'm okay if you don't have him on there, but I am on mine. I, I didn't, but I can't discredit what you said. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. No, yeah. and that's it. Like, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's he's a borderline guy, and I think you have two other borderline guys on your list. Um, oh, the, both of those are first year though. Yeah. Um. So let's go ahead and go through our first year guys. Uh, I'll go ahead and start off with Adrian Beltre. Mm-hmm. And you have him too. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's a slam dunk. I think, well, yeah, if it's not, if he's not in, I, I will be shocked. Um, then again, I mean, Todd Helton hasn't made it in yet. Right. Well, th- that's the Colorado piece. Sure. I think if it wasn't for Colorado. Until you, until you break down all his, you know, home and road splits and. No, but I mean, I think that, I think that people who are looking at that and not getting him in, it's because of Colorado. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Whether they're mm-hmm. right or wrong, it's, that's not the point. I'm just saying I think right. that's why it's taken him so long. It shouldn't take Beltre that long, um, but I think Todd Helton gets in. He was three percent away last year, mm-hmm. so I think he gets in. Um, Joe Mauer is another first ballot. I have him on there. His numbers are Same. not as as good. You do too. It, they're mm-hmm. not as good as what a lot of guys are, but he's also a catcher, and um, it, it's like one of those. I weigh really heavily into when you're play, like when you're watching the game, there are guys that you just like throw around future Hall of Famer, like Bryce Harper, Mike Trout. Like you just talk, you, you assume you talk about them like they are future Hall of Famers. We, well, there's mm-hmm. no question, right? Now, right. there's a way they could probably ruin that. I mean, but that's not the point. Andrew Jones is a good example of that because, like, I didn't have him on last year's. Because when you look at his numbers, you're like, yeah, I mean, maybe not. But when he was playing, we all said, yeah, he's the best. Like, he's mm-hmm. the best going right now. He's a future Hall of Famer. And, like, that should have that should carry weight. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think when Joe Maurer was playing, I thought that. Now, I think there are also guys like Jimmy Rollins that I never thought that when he was playing. But when you go back and you look, it you might change your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, is there any other first year players? Those are the only first year, first year players I have on my list. So I did have two, and they're like fringe guys for me. And that's going to be uh, Adrian Gonzalez and Matt Holiday. And, and I just remember watching Adrian Gonzalez and just being like, dude, you talk about a professional hitter. He, he hit all fields. You know, it wasn't like he was a Deadpool try to hit home runs guy. He was just an all around hitter, and I don't know. Just a, there was just something about him. I, I played a good defense. I really liked watching Adrian Beltre or Adrian Gonzalez play baseball. Yeah, and Matt Holiday, you, you, a lot of big moments for him, as well as just just numbers compiled. You know, uh, two ninety nine lifetime hitter. Just 15 years in the league, too. Like, not when compiler is something that you know, when you're talking about, um, when you're talking about the the Hall of Fame, compiler 
a lot of times is looked at as not a good thing because you played a long time, so you compiled a bunch of stats, and that's, that's the only true. reason you look yeah. like it. So I know that that's not what you meant there, but right. like Adrian Beltre played for 21 years, so if you're not voting for him, it's because you're calling him a compiler. I think playing for 21 years is a really good thing. Um, like <laughs> I think there's I think there's something to that, uh, but also I mean these guys all have you know big numbers. Five Adrian Gonzalez five times All Star. Four times Gold Glove, two times Silver Slugger. Obviously, Matt Holiday seven, seven All Stars, four Silver Sluggers, a batting title. They, they don't have MVP. Beside, I mean, Matt Holiday has an NLCS MVP, but they don't have MVP beside him. None of the three that we're talking about. Hmm. So that I mean, that's kind of a big thing. I think for a lot of people, they want to see like where you at the top. Now, Matt Holiday finished second in 2006, but that was also a year when he was in Colorado. So how many people are going to say that? Right. But um, I just say we put in a vote for like Brandon Phillips and see just, just for laughs. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that dude, just be like, remember that time he threw that one behind his back? Be like, that was pretty cool. (laughs) Put him in the hall of fame. (laughs) He's got the same OPS plus for his career that Jimmy Rollins does. So he must be there. Right. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, who do I think gets in? I think Todd Helton gets in finally, and I and I think Adrian Beltre gets in. Uh, I don't think – I mean, Sheffield was at 55% last year. I don't think he gets in. I, I, I think Helton, Wagner, and Beltre are kind of like shoe-ins. You think Billy Wagner gets it? 68%. I think he gets but, it. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I think that. he gets there. I think uh, I think Andrew Jones gets in this year. Hmm, fifty-eight point one percent. You think he jumps that far? Seventh year on the ballot. You know how these writers are. I know. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I guess we'll see on Tuesday, and then maybe we can maybe we can rehash a little bit. Um, maybe we can rehash a little bit next week, uh, depending yeah. on depending on like I said, how many players the Pirates sign this week. I mean, dude, there's a lot trending. Trending, uh, I just looked it up on the, the trending, and Beltre, Maurer, Helton, Wagner are all like trending in. And oh, yeah, I guess, Sheffield. I guess, Mau- you're right on Maurer, though. I do believe Maurer, yeah, I'm sorry, I do believe Maurer gets in as well, dude. Yeah. Did you hear, uh, did you see when they when they retired his number in Minnesota, the guy who came out and handed <laughs> and they called out that stat that Joe Maurer honestly in high school struck out one time, yeah. It's insane. He struck out one time in high school. And I mean, I know that you don't go into the Hall of Fame because of what you did in high school, but like. Obviously, yeah. But that's. But anybody (laughs) out there who you were like, I might make it to the pros and we're like, have you struck out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then (laughs) (laughs) if you're striking out in high school, man, (laughs) I don't know. Joe Maurer but never the, struck out in high school one time. And everybody time. was like, are you okay? Are you sick today or what? <laughs> <laughs> but they got they got six guys over 70% trending right now. So they got Sheffield at 73 and Jones at 72. So it should be interesting. Could be a big... Could uh, be a big class to go in class. with Jim Leland. Yeah. This summer. So, okay. Uh, for you real ones, um, two things. I've got to do two things. One of them is personal, right? The other one is, I don't, I don't know why, like, I don't know when this 
actually hit Netflix, but like I didn't watch it till I was sick because I don't watch things. But like it ain't over. The Yogi Bear thing on Netflix, like go watch it. It's pretty awesome. Go I've watch it. Watch I, I, I've told a couple people to go watch it and they've come back and they'd be like, oh my gosh, why have I not watched this? Is that, well, that was awesome. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe we should start telling some people about it. But um, yeah. the other thing is, is today uh, we went for lunch and if, you know, we said real ones. So if, if you haven't listened to this show for a while and you don't know <laughs> some of the things that I've dealt with over the, I mean, really the course of this entire podcast, right? Right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've always, yeah. Yeah. Um, but with if you're if you're googling things, uh, parosmia, uh, post COVID thing, um, I ate a Philly cheesesteak today for lunch. So that was pretty amazing. That's awesome, dude. So another another like I guess sign. I, I hope that it stays. So we go because my <laughs> daughter loves it. Yeah. And every once in a while, I'll just grab little pieces because I'm always trying to try stuff to see if anything's unlocked, right? Yeah, you have to, right? And I. I always nibble on it a little bit and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can, I can almost taste that. Like it was like not quite there, but like I could almost taste it. And so I kept taking bigger and bigger bites uh, because it was like, okay. And so then we went down there today and we made a joke about it. And I'm always, and maybe, maybe that's why I'm a Pirates fan, but like I, I never, I, I never liked the risk of just like saying, I'm going to buy a sandwich today and if I hate it, I'll throw it away. I'm always like, I'm not wasting that money. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but like, whatever, I was sitting there and I was okay to sit in there, right? So that's actually mm -hmm. also <laughs> wild as, you know, <laughs> for recently that, I, that I'm capable of even sitting in there without getting sick. But anyway, um, Katie comes back and she's like, hey, I ordered a, a full Philly cheesesteak. She never eats a full one. She's like, I ordered a full one and I got everything that I wanted on it on the side because I'm also just a meat and cheese guy. Uh, with or without prosmia, I'm just I'm simple, <laughs> and uh, she's like, so here's half. Take a bite. If you don't like it, I'll put my stuff on it and I'll eat it. It's not a big deal, okay? Because she says that because she knows I won't want her to do it for the waste part of it. But anyway, right. so I was like, I'm just like I'm letting it cool down a little bit because when things are hot, you can't do it. But I'm letting it cool down a little bit. I'm smelling it, and I'm so um, finally I just I took a bite. It started chewing, and I was like, holy cow. Is awesome. I mean, you're also sitting awesome. into a, in a public restaurant with tears in your eyes, but <laughs> 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 so that's a little. There's a little bit of embarrassment there, but <laughs> there wasn't that many people in there. But they're all just like, "Wow, this dude really likes Philly cheesesteaks," <laughs> <laughs> or or he hates it. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. No, wow, but they're making him eat that. Yeah, they're making <laughs> <laughs> making him eat that. Kind of torture is this? <laughs> but no, it was pretty. It was pretty exciting. So. That's awesome, dude. It's a cool thing. Um, I hope that it's, you know, a sign of things to come. Yeah. Be awesome. So if there's mm -hmm. if there's Philly cheesesteaks in uh Bradenton, if there's Charlie's. I, I had Charlie's Philly Philly steaks, right? So Charlie's is also my favorite. So that's that's even better. But we'll have to look and see if there's one in and around Bradenton, because you and I can go eat lunch together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So That'd I don't think fun. I've ever eaten there, but I'll, like a, a proper I'll lunch. give it a shot. Yeah. Oh, it's great, dude. Yeah. I um, I like Penn Station all right. Charlie's blows it out of the water. For sure. In my opinion. Everybody's different. But. Hey, Josh. Yeah. There's one in Bradenton. Let's go. Are you serious? <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. It's at a Walmart. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they're in Walmart. Sometimes Buy a they're, Walmart. They're, uh, I don't know if it's in it. But. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes they're, yeah, they're usually in a, like a, not a standalone thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, we have them in the mall and we have, we have like a, you know, there's like a, it's like a building. It's got like Baby Bop and Charlie's and the UPS store and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. But anyway, this is cool little news for people who, who follow, uh, and, and care about humans, I guess I'll say. <laughs> if you don't care about humans, you're like, shut up. I'm just here for the pirates. Well, right? I guess you've already turned this off, so. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else, Jake? I got nothing, man. I'm looking forward to our spring training trip. and uh, Yeah, me too. You know, see what's to come. Yeah. Uh, who you got for the Super Bowl? We know who's almost there, right? Yeah. Um, Picks. Not, not once. Right? Uh, I got Lions. No, 49ers, Chiefs. Who's winning? We'll get um, there when we get there, right? Okay. Yeah. I'll go because I want to do this differently. Lions are hot. Let's do it. Lions. Oh, I'd love to see it. Yeah, Lions. That's, I, I think it's going to be the Ravens, unfortunately. I, yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right. Let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, cannonball coming, and let's go, Bucks!